and then the only the actual the actual thing that only lasts and exists is entirely the way I choose to perceive mm. the world. Mm -hmm. I think I went so far from your original question. Hi, diddly hey, and hello, greetings, vibe universe, the vibeverse. What's up? My name is MQ. I've got Wrath. I've got Amutha here with me. Woo. And we're here for episode number 28 of the Vibe Union podcast. Hell yeah. How's it cracking? As we begin and commence, again, we are super grateful, delighted, honored, and humbled for the fact that we are here on the unfortunately stolen land of the Wurundjeri people, the Boomerang people, the Woiwurrung people, all of the Kulin Nation. We wanna pay respect to these traditional custodians, their elders past, present and emerging. We hope that as a society, we continue to build better bridges and greater senses of harmony between the people, but also uh, between land and country. And sadly right now, the burn-offs that are being planned on Kurnai country are a real tragedy. Um, so if you're watching this and you wanna participate, really look into that um, because the government is looking to burn off old forest that shouldn't be burnt um, and not doing it in keeping with traditional practices, which will only lead to damaging the land further. Uh, thank you for joining with us in all of that. And thank you for joining us on this episode. Uh, to kick things off, Rath, Amutha, how are the both of you doing? We were wrecked a couple of weeks ago. Where are we now? <laughs> feeling pretty wrecked. Okay. Gosh, I'm feeling pretty wrecked <laughs> again. I got done, did it to myself once again. Oh, no. Um, man, we had a great gig last night, which mm -hmm. we'll go into more, but I'm wrecked. Okay. Mm -hmm. yep. I, I'm feeling a lot better actually. Yeah. I'm feeling um, a lot more energized, like still tired, but you know, I'm starting to kind of, you know, process all of those emotions that I was going through and learn from them and now become more aware of them and feel more grounded in a more secure place within me. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get it. Yeah. Get it. It's grounded. Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I've been, I'm doing well. I watched this video. I was, I was on like Instagram reels and it was like, uh, an Indian Australian person explaining to, especially like the migrant Indian community in the workforce, like how to speak English good essentially. And it was like, don't, don't say I'm doing good. Say I'm doing well. And like explaining the difference and just made me think of the quote of, um, uh, these guys in 30 Rock and there's, you know, Tracy Jordan and he's like a bombastic character. He's like, how are you doing to the guy who's like really smart and pompous? And the real pompous dude turns around and goes, I'm doing good. It's like, no, you ain't. Superman is doing good. You're doing well. <laughs> and pompous man just got schooled by Tracy Jordan. It was oh, a great moment. Man, that's a good response. So, uh, so I'm doing good and doing well. And I feel like the doing good part is going out on the street this morning with Jay the author hanging out with people, just sharing stories, wheeling around a guy who just wanted to find another guy who's selling loose cigarettes <laughs> and trying to help fulfill a man's mission who, you know, he seems down on his luck today. Um, so that was, that was, that felt pretty nice. Um, mission not accomplished, unfortunately, but we did get to spend and have a good time and sharing that. And uh, Dale, if you're watching, um, man, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for sharing your stories with us. Uh, it was a good time. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully you found those loose cigarettes. Um, I guess uh, in terms of topic and, and sort of roundup on, on where we're all at, like it's been cool to kind of watch the differences in the types of nights that we're having. We're starting to really diversify and go like, this is real specifically this, this is specifically this. And there's, you know, so much on the table um, to build in the direction of. 
But I really want to hone in today on a very specific component of how we're very different. And it actually relates to you, Amitha. Um, at the at Talking Blue, you actually pull a, tar- a tarot card and you do this reading. And I was just wondering if you want to share that with the people who haven't seen it um, and go into a little bit of detail just about the process. And then I kind of want to pick apart what it means to you. And, and then, you know, Rai, you're, you're generally quite paranormal skeptic. Um, so I want to kind of dive into... Um, this difference of how we go about engaging and, and what that feels like for everyone. So, real quick though, yeah. uh, talking blue every Tuesday at Ronnie's Blue Bar, oh, the yep. best spoken Plug. word night in Melbourne. Hell yes, yes, sir. That's the tagline. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it like the font size gets bigger as the sentence goes. It's, it's a difficult it's job to put really on a poster. Bad design. <laughs> yeah. All the information is really small. Anyway, so Amitha, tell us what uh, what what is your process for these tarot card readings? Mm-hmm. Um, so before I start, please don't get scared off um i know that tarot and like all that stuff sounds very abstract and weird and it is but you know let's just let's just remain open to it and see where we get um so the process for me personally i've only ever done like readings one-on-one so what i'll do is i'll like basically tune in to myself and someone else will get to shuffle the cards the person generally that i'm reading to will shuffle the cards so they're kind of almost they've felt whatever vibe the cards have they've placed whatever vibe is within them into the card and then i'll select these cards from the deck and i'll do a reading for them and what i found 100 percent of the time is the cards never tell you what you think they're going to tell you they're going to tell you something you deeply already know but you've never acknowledged like on a on a like a conscious level so Like usually the readings will end up with crying or shock or just like that kind of, or sometimes ecstasy depending on like how great the reading is. So it's always like a very enriching experience. And I found that whatever this person that I feel I've resonated towards to read to, like I always feel like I'm going through what they're going through as well. Um, So the readings relate to me as well. So basically that's the process and I've translated that to a room. So what I'll do is I'll draw the card, I'll put it into my art book so it doesn't get crushed. So Amitha, normally with a one-on-one reading, you're pulling maybe three, five, seven cards? Depending on, so sometimes it's a single, sometimes okay. it's three, and sometimes it's nine. Nine right. is the the huge mama reading, which is like, <laughs> like your present vibration, unconscious, conscious mind, your past, like repression, immediate mm. future, long-term future guy, like, expression all these different elements and then the way it's laid out it's kind of like almost like a a roadmap to your own mind and what's happening Mm -hmm. on different levels inside your own head Mm -hmm. okay yeah so yeah so you pull this one card pull one card i don't i don't during the day oh yeah at some point it will just feel right okay sometimes it's right before i leave other times it's in the morning sometimes it's the day before but there'll be a moment where i am drawn towards the deck and i like go to a random point in the deck and I pull a card and I put it in my art book and then I bring the art book to the um like to talking blue and I jump on stage and that's the first time I'll actually look at the card and you know kind of let it go from there what what happened yesterday was quite special because the card that was pulled was destiny Mm. and um and Nick started and he he something went wrong with his gear and it was getting all glitchy and weird but immediately i felt intuitively it's begun i knew that this was all part of it mm-hmm. and the the first thing that triggered me into this reading was that there are no mistakes 
that we can perceive something as a mistake in that immediate moment, but we actually have no idea how that plays a role in our greater life. Powerful. So <laughs> you're feeling you're feeling this sense that okay, these you know every moment that is happening is meant to happen. In a sense, yeah. I yeah. guess like all your actions lead to certain um, events unfolding, and mm -hmm. you know you so this. We're getting into a, a really weird abstract terrain where everyone's, I mean, if you're not already separated on your ideologies here, this is going to separate you even more. Um, but this idea was introduced later on in the night, which, um, which I might just like bring up now. Mm -hmm. um, and then we can start kind of talking about our own perspectives on this yeah. idea. But um, essentially, you know, by some crazy weird thing, like we, we hung out, which we don't usually hang out and kick on after mm -hmm. Talking Blue. Most of the time we hang around outside of Ronnie's and then we and leave. Disperse, yeah. For some reason we decided let's go to Shisha. Shisha was way too expensive. So we ditched that mm -hmm. and then we went to a random pub. There yep. were so many pubs between Ronnie's and this pub, but we ended up going to this one. You might have missed the first kick-ons. We've done that once. So we have, we have actually gone to that part, that bar. Oh, true. After mm -hmm. keep, after talking blue one other time. I, I yeah I didn't I wasn't there, but then that's the thing I did have an experience there myself like, so oh yeah you you didn't know about this cool so um, basically when we got there we you know met this a few people that we knew from like other circles and one of them specifically came to me and he was speaking to me and he was telling me the first thing he told me was he was very frustrated. I was like, oh, mm. what's going on, man? And he had lost a bag and he had lost something that was basically like, it wasn't valuable, but it was irreplaceable. Mm. And he was very frustrated feeling all that. And, you know, I am I was trying to kind of comfort him in whatever way and like give him space to experience all these emotions. And then he recognized that I was accommodating for what he was going through and he kind of snapped out it for a second. And then he just looked directly at me and he's like, what did you get up to today? I was like, oh, you know, we just had Talking Blue. It was mm. great. You know, we, we had a good time. I, I would never offer up this kind of information. It would have to have been for him, like, asking me for it. So he's like, oh, well, what did, did you get on stage? Yeah, I did. What did you do? I'm like, oh, I usually do, like, a, a tower reading for the room and kind of improvise it. And he's like, oh, cool. What did you get? And as soon as he asked me that, it, everything just clicked into place. And I was like oh my God, this was a reading for you. Like this, everything led to this moment right now. Mm. And I was like, I got destiny. And when he heard me saying that, he kind of just buried his like head into his hands. Like he understood on some level, like what I was trying to indicate by even telling him that this reading was for him. So as I continued and like he was already on board at this point, he like believes in clairvoyancy and understands this, these kind of weird things in life so he was kind of gelling with the idea until I mentioned um that uh I think I don't know how he got onto this topic but um because he tr like he kind of triggered himself back into telling himself that same narrative of, oh it's lost I feel really bad it's irreplaceable mm. you know and kind of you go around in a bit of a circle it's not very helpful you keep like we were talking about in the car, you, you kind of like solidify the script that you're telling yourself. Mm -hmm. So basically, um, I, like as I was explaining the meaning of destiny, I was like, I explained this idea of soft determinism, which is that everything already exists that 
if we have this concept oh this is no, i can't explain that that's going to be too much inf <laughs> that's going to be too hard to explain i'll focus on this so like everything already exists and you're essentially just navigating through all of these predetermined paths so you have some kind of like autonomy in terms of like which which path you take but like every path that you could ever take already exists now that's a big thing to say and i'm not saying it with any kind of conviction low-key though there might be a little bit there <laughs> but i would like to hear how you guys approach that topic how you feel about what i've just said mm. so right almost has just said from a god's eye view everything already exists time forwards and backwards in every permutation how do you feel about it i have been feeling a lot more the the idea of energy can't be destroyed or created it is simply transformed everything yeah so energy within the universe exists already and it is just constantly changing form um i guess I am a strong believer in, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm just going to riff yeah, on what you're saying. Mm. I had points and now they're all gone as soon as I got my microphone. <laughs> um, that I guess for me, it feels more like we are constructing our own destiny in a sense. Like every, okay, every movement is a ripple effect. Mm. So every decision, every, uh, even just a choice to get out of bed at the right time can have a ripple on effect that completely changes your day, which can cha lead to meeting the right person and that changes your life forever. That kind of, those kind of ripples. And going along with that water theme, I kind of have started to see more, yeah, see choices and movements throughout life more as ripple effects that instead of building, instead of constructing, you are creating these waves that changes your current. Because I think, yeah, I guess you're more in a, for me, it's more like just one giant stream that we're all chaotically bouncing around in. Mm -hmm. And there's no way you can get out of, the, of this river. There's no way you can get out of the stream. You are constantly being pushed along by the current, regardless of how you feel, if you feel stationary, what have you, you are definitely moving through this current, I guess, towards some sort of waterfall, which might be death. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I guess, I, almost, I guess I'm sort of agreeing in a sense. Hmm. I'd be interested to yeah. know when you, when you say you're going with this current of this river, so like in, in the context of like what exactly, does that river have a beginning and an end? Is it just like this like thing that's constantly just going and like what, what does that even mean in that context? I guess I would say there is no, at least if there is a beginning and an end, we don't get to know it. Yeah. Um, I don't really believe in any afterlife or anything like that. So I can't believe like your perception will just switch off. Uh, and mm. then, so wherever, whatever point you were in the river, you just have forgotten once you're, once it's all over and it doesn't really exist anymore. So now mm. you're just part of the river again. And I guess so. No... Okay. Mm. All right. I, you could picture it perhaps as like a, just an endless cycle in space of just like this giant waterfall that is ever cascading. And that mm. water is just returned to the top and cascading. I guess that's kind of the energy never dies. Mm. The energy is never destroyed. It just continues mm -hmm. on that cycle. I don't know exactly where we fit into that idea, but mm. yeah. The thing I like about that example is using water. Like mm. water as this, like it's, it is ever changing. You're never going to get 
like water, that formation is never going to be exactly the same twice. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be unique. And yeah, so it's, it's like such a great, uh, I like the way that mm. parallels quite nicely. Mm. I think um, I recent with COVID being forced out of my job um, was a real good reminder to me that things will keep happening that like I'm mm -hmm. not, I can't stagnate. It's impossible yep. to stagnate, mm -hmm. truly stagnate. Yeah. Um, there is always movement. There is always this current that is pushing me forward and to, uh, it's great to make, to create those ripples. And that's really important if you want to find yourself where you want to find yourself in life. But, um, giving myself more to that current recently has, it continues to manifest itself God, I sound like, I sound like a Muther. <laughs> <laughs> We're seeping into everyone's brain, people. It continues to manifest itself in a way that, um, like, actually, a really big one for me, and this is coming from a place where I am very privileged. I'm very lucky that I that my mum actually owns this apartment, so I've got a bit of security there. I still pay a decent amount of rent, but I know I'm not going to get kicked out of. Mm -hmm. um, I have a partner who is also so who is helping me financially. You know, I, I am in a good place. However, when I was working, I would stress about money a lot more. And even though I had a lot more of it. And now I've just like, I know somehow there is money coming. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I think money is a good example because it's it's such a because it's it figures it's it's it, it's math on a on a spreadsheet most of the time mm. and so it seems really really tangible but by but lately i've just been like i'm too <laughs> i'm too busy to work a, jo a real <laughs> job right like i'm just i've just decided that like i'm just going to give vibe union my all mm -hmm. and and hope that this current will take me towards uh, some sort of security and I continue Hell to be yes. able to eat. I continue mm -hmm. to be able to go out and hang out Amen. with friends and work and do all this stuff. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't have a full explanation how I keep, how things keep lining up at just the right moment, but I'm just kind of throwing my hands up to the mm -hmm. current and just letting, mm -hmm. letting myself flow with it for, for a while while I can, yeah. while I focus on making those ripples. Fantastic. Chill. I yeah. love that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very interesting perspective that you develop um, once you engage with life in a different way from a different space. Mm -hmm. You know, you're no longer fear-based. You're more, I don't know, I would say love-based. You're like, I'm enjoying life. Mm. I want to work towards true fulfillment, true happiness mm -hmm. without compromising my integrity. And I think once you make that decision, you the universe starts to unfold in a very particular kind of way. Yep. And then your whole perception of reality kind of shifts and you're like, oh, the way I relate to my world is not the same as how it was before. Mm -hmm. Nice. I, yes. Can I, uh, just on the note of happiness, I had a discussion with someone recently, I can't remember who it was, but we were talking about like building towards happiness. Right. Building your, basically building your career, building your security, mm. um, and that is what our society is based on. Yep. You are supposed to go to school, get a job, make money, invest it into a home or what have you. Mm -hmm. I don't understand investing. I clearly don't <laughs> understand money. I've made it very clear that I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. Um, and this idea of building towards happiness um, has made sense at, at certain points in my life. And it's it, I'm really aware of it right now because we are, we are building something huge with the Vibe Union. We have yep. huge plans in like the five-year, 10-year schemes. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that could look like, okay, this is a time investment now towards a goal at this point. And at this point, we will feel successful. At this point, we'll feel happiness. Yeah. Um, but I've actually, I've felt happier over the past three days. What day did I do the thing that I'm thinking of? Uh, maybe like three or four days. I have felt happier than I have in a long, long time. Um, and all it was actually is I went and I had a night hang out with um, DJ AB and DJ Martini. And we were just sitting around DJing for each other, just the three of us. Mm -hmm. I had a bottle of wine, maybe that contributed, but you know, <laughs> um, we were just sitting around and DJing and playing music for each other. And in that space, had pure just appreciation for the music that we were playing, which was yeah. just a really, really nice moment. And and I was just on an absolute high. I think I just can't be sad listening to house music. It's physically impossible. <laughs> it's like it's like the MDMA of, of music. Um, and then last night, Talking Blue, that. I know that that event can grow so much bigger and I want it to and I want to keep mm. putting in that work and making it as good and as big as possible mm -hmm. so we can offer what it offers to as many people as possible. But tonight, uh, last night felt like such a culmination of effort and such mm. a special moment for everyone involved. We had first timers getting on stage mm -hmm. like they'd never performed before. Um, we had returning faces that had been gone for a few weeks coming back. Um, I don't know what it is about Talking Blue. I still, I actually can't really put my finger on it. Magic. Maybe, maybe you have, yeah, it, but there is an absolute mm -hmm. magic in the air of that. And last night I was like, well, this is, this is it. I am so happy right now doing this. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for what's coming next. But if Woo! I'm not happy at this point, then mm. I'm never going to be happy with that Absolutely. level of success. Yeah. You need to enjoy that entire, the entire journey down the river. Yeah. There is, because at the end of the river, there's a fucking waterfall. So yeah. Yeah. Like it, enjoy it now. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. That's well said. I, um, in terms of that happiness and, and that enjoyment thing, uh, there's this great old joke of sort of, you know, mum tells a kid to go start cleaning. Okay, well, why? Well, if you don't clean, then you're, you know, going to be left behind in school because you won't have good habits. Well, why do I need to be good at school? Well, then you get a good job. Okay, why? So that then you can have money. Well, why? Well, then you have a good house. Well, then why? And it goes on and on and on and eventually it's like, okay, so you can retire and you can sit around and, and you don't have to do anything. I was like, well, what do you think I'm doing now? <laughs> and it's like, why complicate happiness? Why complicate achievement, contentment? Um, and yeah, I think it's a good question to ask, like what is happiness and, and how, how is it achieved? Um, I'm a big sucker for it, but I want to come back to soft determination. Yeah. So I, I think functionally, like, I don't know that it helps as a philosophy to guide life but it's more like a romantic description of life. Like how cool would it be if X, Y, Z? Because there's no impetus off the back of it. You then have to add layers of like, then why do anything? If things are already determined, yeah. then not taking action feels as valid because it'll open up a pathway mm -hmm. as the pathway of taking For action. For sure. But then it's the intention that you move through life with. If you mm. move with the intention of like, yeah, I guess, kind of what we're doing like mm. you know like finding true fulfillment and like you know doing that not only within ourselves but bringing that to other people bring that happiness mm. then you just receive more of what you are putting in mm -hmm. whereas if you're moving through the in with the intention of like you know something else then mm -hmm. that's kind of how you're going to navigate so yeah. i i find for myself like there's actually comfort in that because i know that literally anything goes but mm. I get to decide yep. what way I walk. For sure. So, yeah, for me, it's the, the distinction of like the paths are already set. Mm. 
mm. is it's like, well, if I do nothing, I'm exploring a path mm -hmm. and I get to the end of that one. And yeah. if I do something, I'm exploring a, a different path and I get to the end of that one. Mm. Either way, there's an end point mm -hmm. and either way, it's entirely novel. And mm -hmm. I think the one that I've always fucked with is actually up until this point, everything has been unreal and has gotten us to this point and everything beyond this point is entirely unreal. Mm -hmm. But anything is possible. And the only thing that we know is that momentum has gotten us to this point. Yeah. The previous moment looked a lot like this moment. Mm. That's why we're in this one. But something could happen out that window, that mm. door could open, mm. someone could walk in and it drastically changes, of course, drastically yeah. or undrastically changes the thing. And then it's like the entire... In the entirety of the future from this moment is unknown mm. and not planned out and not determined in any kind of way, but mm. anything is possible. And that's what propels me is it's like, sweet. Then I'm going to, there's no set paths to pick from that, mm. you know, there's no cards in a deck. I'm just going to make it as incredible as possible. We were just talking about you in a spiritual form. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, <laughs> uh, so then it's like, okay, anything is possible. Mm. Nothing has happened before. Mm. And now I'm going to do the thing that's going to make it as magnificent, as grand, as incredible mm. and as novel as it can be. Because if it could be anything, why let it be something boring? Why let it be something sure. that is me still sitting in bed or me still angry about something that happened mm. or whatever? Um, yeah. So I, I, I think like... That, that concept of soft determinism that everything's already laid out, I really struggled with because like coming from a religious upbringing, God already has created a plan. You already, there's a plan for you. And it's like, cool, what if I sit on my hands? That's God's plan, right? So it's not even my agency anymore. Yeah. And it's like then, no, but you have agency and that agency has also been planned out. And it's quite a like belittling sort of thought in a sense. Um, and I like choose to err on the side of pure wonder. Like, mm -hmm. let me do something absolutely ridiculous. Let me get up on a stage and do something crazy. Mm -hmm. Let me come up with the most out there thing to do because the future could be absolutely anything. Why not let it be brilliant? I feel like we're saying the same thing still mm -hmm. because like this idea that if you, if, okay, we, we can't truly fathom this, mm. but there are an infinite number of realities. Yep. Like, and so, but we can only experience at this point of that infinite number, there's, there's still, oh my God, there's still an infinite number of ways we can go. But, you know, I can't, I can't turn 13, you know? Does mm. that make sense? So like yeah. there, every path is still opened up and there's mm -hmm. still ways to navigate through. Because I guess the way that I'm hearing that you're receiving what I'm saying is that the fact that there are predetermined paths means that like we're limited or um, things can't be as wondrous, but it's like quite the opposite. Literally anything can still happen. Mm -hmm. So like, I think we are saying the same thing just in different ways. Mm. Cause yeah, I don't know how to articulate it. It's in my head. If I could make it visual, it might help. Mm. Like if, if, if we could quantify infinity, just mm -hmm. for a second or not let's not let's make it visual let's make mm -hmm. it into a shape mm -hmm. if infinity fit into this entire square uh -huh. no i have no idea where <laughs> i'm going with this i can't okay. do so, it <laughs> so what i'm saying is actually <laughs> off of momentum yeah you can and should strive for mm. the possibility of shaping all of the universe towards mm -hmm. making you 13 if that is your will mm -hmm. and i believe that that can be done mm. in a way that astounds and profounds all of science so far, mm -hmm. but it's purely momentum has gotten us to this point. And if you start shifting and shaping momentum in a new direction, you mm. can. Whereas uh, soft determinism says, 
that there are this these number of things already here. And again, it's like it's descriptive purely. It doesn't give you um, it doesn't give you impetus. It doesn't give you like a launch off point. Um, whereas for me, it's maybe like without anything in the absence of like any guiding principle mm. and just saying anything is possible from this moment forward and just striving towards that. Mm. I find I find that to be much more powerful and that is like pure will. Like I'm a I'm a believer in pure will mm. in this plane of existence anyway. Yeah. Beyond that what happens can either be entirely outside of this realm of existence, an act of God, mm. can be things from well outside our realm of understanding on this plane of existence. Mm. And then, you know, one's power is increased with an understanding of this realm of existence. Read books on science, go out and, and look at the natural world, engage mm. with people and understand psychology and behavior. And as you do that, you enhance your understanding of the world and what your will may be able to enact. Mm. But in a world of pure will over pure determination, I believe that will wins out because there's just, it feels like there's beyond infinite possibility mm. because it also factors in the possibilities that don't exist in this plane of infinity. But infinity is infinity, bruh. This is what I'm saying. I think we're yeah. saying the same thing. Uh -huh. And, I, and I, I'm just terrible at articulating things. But I guess w the word determinism is maybe the thing that's kind of tripping us up here. Mm. Because like to s if infinite realities and paths and ways we can go from here exist, they are predetermined. Even mm. if there is an infinite number of them, they mm. are predetermined. Yeah. And how we choose to walk within those predetermined, already there in existent mm. paths. So that's why I'm saying we're saying the same thing. Because yeah. if you have that will to walk towards a very specific predetermined path, you will walk that path and you will manifest whatever you need to manifest. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I feel like we're saying the same thing. Mm. Although I'm, I'm, I'm up to hearing you telling me that that's completely incorrect. But like the way yeah. I've just articulated it, maybe that made it a bit clearer. I, I see it. I, I think it's just the the need to describe something as determined right. just feels like it feels redundant. Okay. Because you're you're describing a thing that is unknowably unverifiable. Yeah. Like we can't verify that everything's determined. Determined where? Determined mm. in what plane and in, in mm. like in what reality. Mm. So then to me it's like it becomes a very academic pursuit to describe it as that when you simply just need to live in this moment and mm. go, what's possible? What, what, how right. do I want to enact and engage my will? Okay. So I think it's that. I think like ultimately what the outcome is is still the same, mm. but especially in the definition of it as determinism, to, to explain to someone that everything happens for a reason and that everything, you know, is meant to happen in a given mm. way, mm. I think is also quite reductive and, and again, like reduces agency. So, mm. you know, this person who then struggled with the concept of being told that this was all meant to happen, it's part of a grander plan. I think I might, I, I want to articulate yeah. what actually happened there. Okay. So like, I, I it wasn't that it was part of a grander plan. It was more just like, you don't understand the ripple effect that this will cause mm -hmm. and how it could benefit you. Yeah. Because right now, like you're seeing it from this perspective of like, I've just lost something. And this is mm -hmm. obviously, I didn't go into this much detail because he was upset about it. Yeah. But the way I saw it and the way I was feeling about it based on that card I drew destiny was like, let's say for example, because this bag's been taken, um, he has to go to a very specific police station and in the specific police station, A, B, C, D happens and somehow this ripples out to him becoming some big time musician. You know, so we don't we just cannot comprehend the way that like each of these. So 
I guess essentially it's completely unrelated to what we were talking about, <laughs> but I wanted to clarify. I didn't want it to. Yeah. I didn't want to say it like this was some predetermined thing that was meant to happen. I was more talking about the butterfly effect of For we sure. don't know. Yeah. Reflecting on bad mm-hmm. things that have happened to us, mm-hmm. we know now why things have happened. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, like I I did some something really bad. I I didn't read a contract at a gig that we did and like you know we had to charge people for tickets which was really sucky and i i recognize even though that was a, a terrible thing for me to do in the moment this definitely saved me in the in the long run you know like mm. i know somewhere down the line if i had not read a contract that was way more important something so much worse mm-hmm. could have happened so like recognizing those moments as learning moments or of some significance that will help later I think can kind of ease the ease the tension of it, and that's the discussion I was trying to open up with him. Yeah. And then we got on to like um, reality being uh, infinite, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't even know yeah. how we got there, but yeah. it just seemed like an interesting topic to talk about here. For sure, and I guess it's the distinction is like how much agency a philosophy can grant someone, and how much agency someone's comfortable with. Yeah. Right. So in that moment, it can be hard to be told. Hey, but look on the bright side, buddy. Now you got to go do this thing, and you don't know how good that could be for mm. you. And it's like, yeah, but you're you're imposing obligation on me when mm. I've already had my autonomy stripped. Mm. I've already been told that I'm not allowed to have my bag anymore, even though up until now, my the momentum of my life told me that I have this bag and these mm. precious items mm. um, that are really valuable to me. Uh, that's been taken away, and now you're telling me I have to go do a bunch of stuff that could yield good. I don't have faith that things could yield good. Yeah. Um, and so that can be quite difficult, is that sense of agency mm. um, being stripped and being told that, you know, but, you know, maybe there's there's something else out there. Right. So it can be tricky, but I guess, like, where, where we can launch off from here is, like, have we had experiences like this? Mm. Um, and I guess the contract story is, is a great one. Other things that just feel entirely supernatural in some kind of a way yeah. that just feel like, I'm not in control here and there's a grander thing at play and it's like playing with me, mm. right? Is whatever this plan is, I'm meant, I'm, I'm meant to be on here. I'm meant to be undergoing this. Yeah. This is very specific and very deliberate because yeah. I like, I'll ask that question and I want to come back because I do have a, a concept of cynicism around this that I think a lot of people start out with mm-hmm. when they engage with this. But yeah, first let's throw it open. Like have, have, have spooky things happened to you in your lives? Um, I definitely have experiences on the stage mm-hmm. when I'm like really present and really feeling what's going on. It does. And I also have this experience with reading tarot. It's like where I have a very grounded understanding that I am taking a passenger sh- seat and I'm just allowing something else to flow through. And what I, the reason I even got into tarot before that was um, I started like ch- like channeling i don't want to call it channeling because it really sounds quite weird but i'll explain the process i would be out at a party for example or just like you know this was back in the days where i was a bit of a club rat so i'd be at a club Mm. and um and somebody random that i don't know at all would just gravitate towards me and within a few seconds just completely open up about the darkest stuff that's ever happened to them Mm. and in that moment i understood what I like, wh- how to hold space for them. And this is when I lacked a lot of emotional intelligence as well. It took me a while to develop that. But in those moments, like people understood that they needed to come to me. And then that there was something within me that understood how I needed to be with them and like, you know, and like 
give them the the words that they needed in order to help guide them through their own stuff. So this started happening quite like often. And then eventually, you know, it stopped happening as much. And that's when I got into the tower readings. And now I have a, a safer space to conduct those like exchanges, those energetic exchanges. But like, uh, for me, I think that's what it was. I don't know if I, if that answers your question, but mm -hmm. like, yeah, having these experiences of like almost something else with me, which is also me. It's a fundamental part of who I am. And I truly feel that it is me, but it feels so like, so immense that it also doesn't feel like me. If that makes sense. It's a, it's a, it's an odd experience. Mm. Cool. No, I like it. Um, well, I want to share with you all the story of the tattoo, the only tattoo that I'll never get. Oh, <laughs> all right. Let's hear it. I'm all excited. Right. So I moved to Vietnam back in 2015, 14. I always forget maybe 2013. And it was like my independence thing. I'm, I'm out here. I'm in the world. And so I was like, sweet. Well, obviously I'm going to get a tattoo. I'm in my twenties. I'm in Vietnam. I'm living by myself. I'm going to get a tat and it's going to be so meaningful and it's going to be great. And I landed and for the first like 10 days, I was nonstop, right? I was like two days in, I'd secured accommodation. I, you know, by the end of the first week, I'd gone to four job interviews by the end of which I had two job offers, uh, like got my phone sorted, got my mobility sorted. Everything was done. 10 days in, I finally sat down and was like, man, I remember this factoid about sharks. Sharks can never stand still. Like, cause up until then, literally I, I finally stopped to reflect on my thoughts and I went, I feel like if I had stopped at any point in these last 10 days, I would have died, right? I would have just like not had enough money for food. I would have not had like health, whatever. If I had stood still, I die. My mantra had been, if I stand still, I die. And I was like, that's what a shark is. Sharks need to keep moving so that water can pass through their gills so that they can oxygenate and then they can continue to be alive. Even when they sleep, they sleep uh, and they do these sort of circles and they have one eye open. Sharks sleep with one eye open so that they can like navigate in their sleep um, and watch for predators um, in, in the case where it's applicable. So sharks do not stop. So I was like, that's it. That's my spirit animal. I'm gonna get a shark tattoo. It's gonna be great. And then like a week or so, two weeks of just like chilling out, meeting people. And then the idea sort of faded and it was like, whatever. Then I had this idea for another tattoo. I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to get like a, a scooter. You know, it's like the thing. Everyone in Hanoi rides a, rides a scooter. It's going to be great. And like now I feel like I'm local here. You know, I'm participating in events. Everyone knows me. And again, like I designed it and then it faded. I was like, okay, cool. Then like a couple months went by and I was doing all kinds of different stuff. And, uh, and I was sat and a friend was going through some real shit. Like she had to go back to Canada and there was, you know, real, real stuff, tough stuff going on just for no reason. The phrase, this too shall pass. It just came out of my mouth. It was like, you know what, you know, friend, like this too shall pass. I don't know if that does anything for you, but it just popped into my head. And over the next like week or so that just kind of gained momentum. Like that phrase just kept bouncing around my head. And I watched as people came and go, came and went like, it's backpacker city, so everyone's expats, everyone's sticking around for a little while and then they're gone. You know, the person who sold such and such on the corner one day, you know, something happened to him or whatever, he moved town. And suddenly it's just becoming really real. I was like, okay, this kind of like means something to me. Maybe I should like at least look into this phrase. So I like searched it up. Turns out it comes from an old Sufi Persian poem. And I was like, 
Sufism is like the brand of Islam that I really like abide with. It's pure like asceticism, divinity, love of God, one-to-one -one connection with God. It, it kind of denies that there are other humans in a sense. Like God created all of this, but like he created it so that I can enjoy it. How, how beautiful, what an incredible lover. Rumi is one of the most um, brilliant sort of proponents of um, Sufi sort of poetry and that idea. So I was like, great, you know, here's this poet from whenever and he tells the story of a king who uh, asks for his viziers, his ministers to give him a phrase to emboss on a ring that will be, will cheer him up when things are gloomy and, and will remind him to be sad when things are too good. And they, 40 days, 40 nights, they come back and they say, this too shall pass. So he gets it on the ring. And I was like, that's really beautiful. So if it comes from Persian, I'm going to write it in my calligraphy. I feel like this is the tattoo I have to get. So one day, I'm like, plotted out with the calligraphy. Um, and then the next day I'm talking to a friend in a cafe and I'm like telling them this story and it was like, so the phrase, cause now I'm like polishing this like story I need to tell. So I was like, the punchline was going to be this too shall pass. And I'm just talking to this person. And before I can get to the punchline, the person at the table next to us, not listening, not in, in our conversation at all, just turns over and, and it's just like this too shall pass, like in their conversation to the person in front of them. I was like, that's wacky. I literally was like, that's wow. that's the thing. That was the tattoo. And they, oh my, God. my friend just didn't believe me. They're like, you just gave me this wind up of a story and then you just took the random thing, plucked it out of the, I'm like, no, I, I feel like that is the kind of thing I would do. That's actually the thing. Here's the, here's the, here's the thing, here's the design. Cool, forget about it. The next day I get cast in my friend's play. It's called Impermanence. I hadn't thought anything about it until it was like impermanence. All right, cool. The very notion of the fact that all things fade and pass. And it was a gorgeous play and it was so nice. I, I, you know, it was a great experience. And then that night went out, had a big party. Next day was recovery mode and I went to my usual recovery hotspot. And like two days in a row, I'm already feeling it. Day three, I'm like, cool. I'm, I'm hungover. I'm in this like burger joint. I've ordered the stackiest, biggest burger and a Bloody Mary. And this was like a, a, a hangover ritual for me, comfort food and, uh, and alcohol. And so I'm watching this, um, I'm watching Big Bang Theory. It was the latest episode. It had come out that week. I downloaded it illegally, of course. And, uh, and just like cracked it open. I was just watching the episode. The cold open features um, Howard's telling some sob story to Sheldon. And Sheldon says to Howard, well, you know, Howard, the Sufi poet, Uttar of Nishapur, tells his story, blah, blah, blah. This is a brand new episode. He tells the whole story top to bottom like he read it from the same Wikipedia article that I'd read it from that week. And the punchline, of course, is this too shall pass. And it's because it's about Howard needing to take a big shit or something like that. And, uh, and so that's why they thought it was real funny. But in this moment, I'm, I literally did that thing where I had a bite of a burger in my mouth and it just like slopped out of my mouth because my jaw was on the floor. And I was just like, okay, that's it. I have, to, I have to get this tattoo. It has to be done. So I like start showing it around to people. Hey, can you help me out? Can you help me out? Can you help me out? This is going to be great. It was so cemented three days in a row. So profound. These like each of these things, these consequences that had happened. It like, it needs to be, I need to cement it. And then finally, like I'm so close to getting this tattoo and I was talking to someone and in describing this, this whole thing, I was like, but hang on, how silly is it to get a permanent tattoo about the very nature of how everything is entirely impermanent? Wow. And I was like, in that moment, as I'm explaining to this person, like maybe the second to last person before the tattoo artist, just like I talked myself out of it yeah. and just went, Right, the only thing I've ever considered worth putting on my body permanently 
and it's to remind myself that nothing is permanent. I'm going to feel like a right fool from the moment that ink hits my skin. Yeah, yeah cool. I'm not going to get a tattoo. So that's why that tattoo, and I still have it. I, have, I scribble it everywhere I go. That tattoo is the only tattoo that I'll never get. So good. I absolutely love that story. Thank you for sharing that, man. My pleasure. <laughs> that was um, super entertaining. It was, you know, it was one of those moments where I kind of had to go through all of that. And like all of those things were so profound and significant and loaded mm. with meaning. And then it was just like a conversation I didn't even plan to have with someone where I talked myself out yeah. of it. Yeah. And so this is where I want to come to the skepticism about soft Let's determinism do it. And, and metaphysics like this. Mm -hmm. Anything is as meaningful as we choose to make it. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? So in the value of a tarot card, it's actually in the conversation after it. Mm. And often the deviation from the original meaning of the card itself and the further and more vague that a meaning can be, the more it can apply meaningfully to someone who's a willing participant. Yeah, absolutely. Same applies to things like horoscopes. You know, mm -hmm. the people have done all these double blind type studies where mm -hmm. they'll scramble up the horoscopes, read them out to someone, and someone will be like, oh my God, that's exactly me today. That's, ex that's been the year that I've had. Mm -hmm. And no matter how contrived it can be, a horoscope is written by someone, or how totally crazy random happy happenstance it can be. You know, I had so many experiences while I lived in Vietnam. There were loves lost and, and, and all that kind of thing. I'm sure there are people who I made friends with profoundly, passionately, burningly for three weeks and now can't even remember, mm. right? So why was it that experience that I'm so hung up on, I'm telling the story about it today, about a tattoo that I didn't even get mm. and there are things that I've forgotten about and what is the meaning that we ascribe and, and give, to, give to things? And that determines who we are instead. And so it's that will, that exercise of it that actually determines our lives. So that's, that's my skepticism is like that's fair, yeah. anything can be as meaningful as you want it to be. So what do you want to be meaningful? How, how do you feel about that, Right? Like I want to grab your skeptical mind on this. Um, well, I, I kind of want to really delve into the tarot card reading kind of thing mm -hmm. because I... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't flinch. Make make a wish. All right. <laughs> Let's see if it comes true. <laughs> Subscribe, hit the like button to see if Rise Wish came true. But I can never tell anyone if it does, right? Because oh, I can't can. say. Once it does. Yeah, once, once it, it yeah. comes through, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like I got that Batman lollipop I wish for on my sixth birthday. <laughs> um, I can't. Was it was it Alan Moore? Is that the the Graphic, graphic, Alan Watts, graphic, graphic mm. um, novelist. Oh, graphic novelist. Is that who I'm thinking no. of? I don't, Alan Watts yeah. is like some spiritual dude. I thought yeah, he was yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, it might be the same guy. Yeah, he he uh, wrote Watchmen. Uh, doesn't matter. I might be thinking of someone else. It might be different. Yeah, it might be different. But whoever it was, and uh, he's a hugely famous dude. Um, uh, so someone in the comment section can correct me and tell me exactly what I'm <laughs> talking about. But he speaks on the power of magic being uh, words. Mm -hmm. And well, yeah, so magic is language is magic because the way we connect with the world, the way we see the world, the way we perceive the world is, I mean, this is ignoring some people who don't speak, who don't think in, in dialogue. So ignoring that. But we perceive the world through our own uh, experiences and through the way that we speak about the world, mm. the way that we, the, the inner dialogue, the conversations that we have with people, the, like, the only way we can understand the universe is through perception. 
And so for a tarot card, I see that as uh, as the path into what they've already... It's everything that they find through the tarot card is already in them. A hundred percent. And it's yep. just finding the things behind the main level of perception. It's just yes. finding in your subconscious, find those little bits and pieces and pulling them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's possibly why you're so good at that. You are someone who sits in a in a particular place that is really connected to your subconscious i think and so you find it easy to tap into other or help other people tap into their own subconscious as a guide through that into their own mind you know i i like that explanation i have no idea what that process is that seems Mm. pretty legit um i think just reflecting on kind of what both of you guys are saying and it's strange because I, you know, I, I, um, my perception of words kind of changed after I watched Waking Life. Everybody knows it's my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's but the only like, movie you've seen. <laughs> it's the only. It's, <laughs> I, I've watched movies before that, but I haven't watched anything else since that I've enjoyed mm-hmm. at least. Um, so there's a scene where they're talking to a, a, an actual linguist, and she explains how words are dead. Like they're inert. They don't have any Mm -hmm. meaning. And it's kind of like almost the intention that we put behind those words Mm -hmm. that actually someone will feel. And she describes um, reaching a level of understanding where you both like are relating to the words in the same way as a spiritual communion, which I found Mm -hmm. was very interesting. Mm -hmm. And with the tower readings, I'm very aware. And I had this conversation with someone outside as well that the, the energy I put behind those words and how people receive them are probably different. Mm-hmm. However, they receive them the way that they need to. And I think mm-hmm. that's all that matters. If you can yeah. take information and use it to grow yourself, I think that it's done what it's needed to do in that mm-hmm. in that moment. This is um, to tie into willpower. I think this is kind of what willpower is. So for someone to... Um, to experience one, you can you can experience uh, things in a really negative way, and from, and realistically, the experience itself is uh, is nothing. is It is a note. It it is not tangible. It's just it, the way you perceive it is purely the way you talk about it in your own mind. Mm-hmm. If you get into these loops, and I think willpower is breaking those loops, it, or, yeah. or it's rather. Maybe choosing the, a different loop. Man, mm-hmm. I wish I, yeah, I, I feel like I'm way less articulate than you, you guys today in explaining myself. <laughs> I did pretty bad. <laughs> I didn't think so at all. I was with you the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, I, I feel like I have, I have somewhere in my brain, I've got a better, a more particular answer for you. However, mm-hmm. I actually just want to um, mention two things because this is both, everything that you guys have talked about came up last night at Talking Blue for me. Um, talking about tarot cards i my a lot of my art is basically operating as a tarot card in my mind i have when i used to do i've spoken on this several times before but it came up last night again that like when i did cartoons for three years and because i was doing and i did it every single day and it was multiple cartoons so there'd be three or four you know like one to three um, cartoons every single day. A lot of them had really particular meanings. Some of them had social commentary. Some of them had spiritual meanings, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of the time, though, because it was every single day, I had to just put something out. And so I just chose imagery that spoke to me that I just thought looked cool and I had no meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. Those were 
almost always the ones that people came back to me and said, man, the meaning behind that, that's crazy. I, I can't believe you made those connections. Like, oh, I meant nothing by it. I had mm. no intention behind that. I mm-hmm. just loved the image. And those were my favorites to see the reaction from mm. people because I just, you know, I love, I want, I want them to, uh, you know, if I'm making a, a political commentary, yeah, that's cool. It's cool to get the, to know that people get exactly what I'm talking about. Like I'm making an actual statement. Um, but who the fuck am I to make an actual statement mm. and to instead give these, basically these playgrounds for their subconscious to play in mm-hmm. and find out what came out of it. That was by far the coolest. And, um, that came up last night. Like some people asked me like, what is, cause I did uh, a piece called the palace called storming the palace. Um, and it's quite vague. I think what my meaning behind that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people asked me like, what is the palace? And I told them what my interpretation of it is. Um, but I did say like the reason I try and create such vivid, weird imagery is because I'm making a point for me, but I really want you to just kind of find out what comes to mind first. Mm-hmm. Um, so tarot cards actually make a lot of sense to me, which nice. is funnily, <laughs> funnily enough, but not, it is in a spiritual way, but it's more just because like, yeah, I believe that our reality is, is completely perception based. Mm-hmm. Um, our personal realities. I mean, I'm not talking about the universe or the physical space or anything like that. Just our pure, our reality, our version of reality is how we perceive it. Mm. The right word at the right time for you the right word at the right time completely changed the way you think about life. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I gave that exact advice, not that, that phrasing, but I have, I've that phrase I've heard so many times in my life and I, and I've loved that phrase for a long time as well. And, um, it's been a really key component of how I now operate. Uh, mm-hmm. and I gave this advice to someone last night who were getting on stage for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think of advice to give them. Like, how, how am I going to get this person over their stage fright? Or not over it, but through their stage fright. I know mm-hmm. you can't get over it. I know it's going to yeah. be there, but how can I help you navigate it? And I just said, um, here's the worst case scenario is they'll forget you. This is a, this is the, literally you'll be up there for two minutes mm-hmm. and the worst case scenario is they'll forget you. Like if you do something amazing, it'll be talked about later. But no, mm-hmm. you can't bomb hard enough that people are actually being like, wow, you suck. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. That is so hard to do. Mm-hmm. Even like at, I've gone to, you know, open like po- uh, comedy nights and seen just the worst comedy I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. And people still applaud those people because oh, it's yeah. like, oh, man, you got up there. You got up there. Mm-hmm. But it's literally just two minutes. And I really tried to drill, drill this into this person. And um, and I and I don't, I don't really feel much, uh, I don't feel much um, anxiety before performances anymore unless mm-hmm. I'm you're really badly underprepared which mm-hmm. does happen quite frequently um, because I keep th- reminding myself that, like it's going to be 10, 20 minutes that is, that is just a chunk of time it's mm-hmm. just a chunk of time and yeah. whatever I want to take away from it is purely based on my perception of it mm-hmm. yeah. it will pass and then the only the actual, the actual thing that only lasts and exists is entirely the way I choose to perceive mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. I think I went so far from your original question. No, no, <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's great. Yeah. Um, I think what what I last remember of the original question made me think about emotional management, and okay. um, I think emotional management, uh, like my the perspective that I house at the moment of reality, helps with my emotional management. I think that's mm. what I'd say, and I'm guessing the same for you, 
the perspective you house on reality mm. helps you with your emotional management. Yeah. So, yeah. Nothing is real. Have <laughs> fun. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. That phrase, this too shall pass, mm. is my favorite favorite phrase for dealing with bad emotions. Yeah. Is knowing nice. that that's just going to that's yeah. just, it's going to be a blip. Exactly. Mm. It's it's definitely something I live a lot by and it's actually the reason why even after the most incredible gigs, the most wonderful nights, you'll still occasionally see me hanging at the back is because at some point through the like absolute highest of highs, if we're all jumping around on stage like crazy, I've just panged and reminded myself like, cool, man, like either enjoy and make the absolute most of this, but just remember like you can't keep going up and up and up. Like I've had those parties. I've had those nights where you're like, let's do more. Let's do this. Let's go out here. And chasing this thing that ends up leaving you feeling so hollow. Mm -hmm. So I know when to catch myself and nip it in the bud yeah. and just go, you know what? Cool, man. This is incredible. Whether or not it's hit a peak yet or not, like at some point it's going to not be this. At some point I'm going to be home asleep. Mm -hmm. So I know to emotionally rein myself in from the highs, yeah. but also from the lows. Mm -hmm. A totally sucky situation can happen to me. And I can live in it and still accept that it's going to end. Mm -hmm. um, Coming back to, and this is like more for what, what can people take away from today? I mean, there's a lot, right? There's a lot in terms of the metaphysics of it all. Um, why, why do or don't do something that could be incredibly scary? Um, something uh, I, I, as a piece of advice, similarly, I gave to someone who was asking me like, how do you get into freestyling? How do you get comfortable on stage? How do you get comfortable rapping all words and all that kind of stuff? Um, and how do you feel about it? What, what, what do nerves feel like for you? And I was like, look, for one, I've been doing this for so long. Like I'm willing to count the fact that I got cast as Gandhi in a school play when I was like seven years old or eight years old or something as like a first performance. Destiny. Right? Like, you know, call it, call it what you want. That was, that's when my experience started. And I remember like reading a script and reading it over and over and over again and telling mom like in the back of the car on the way there, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And her saying like, well, one, you're incredible. Like you're going to be great at this. And two, it's okay, it's just for today. And then after that, it's done. And I, you know, that was there, that was the advice. But counting that as my experience, from that point, I've like built up resilience. But where to go from, you know, like what, what stops people going from zero performances to one? And it's because let's say this is baseline. Zero, totally neutral emotional feeling about the outcome of, of a performance, right? Whether it's two minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, uh, giving a toast at a family dinner or talking to 10,000 people in Rod Laver Arena or whatever. Here's neutral. Most people will start off that the outcome will leave themselves or other people feeling 30 to 90 to catastrophic percent bad. And there's very few people unless they're just like general larrikins and like people who are pretty happy-go-lucky who will have a, an above neutral potential outcome. But you do it anyway and you see that the actual outcome was that they were left feeling 10% good. Other people were left feeling 70% good because people enjoy the fact that they did it. The next time your range is no longer 30%, negative 30 to catastrophic. It's now like, oh, it could be 10% good or it could be like minus 50%. Mm. And as time goes on, that trepidation, like that bottom shelf starts to come up and the range could increase. Or there are some people for whom it's like, you know what, I'm stoked at 20%. And these people go on to become like lecturers for, you know, free government business support programs. And I've met these people. I've seen these people. They are more than happy to just read off the list, do the thing, go for three questions, uh, say thank you, 
hold for applause, two, three, okay, have a good time and get home safe. Like those people exist. Mm. And this person asking me like, how do you get into this, da, da, da. I was like, look, to be perfectly honest, my range is quite narrow and just I've, whether it's delusion or not, I've just convinced myself that like less than zero isn't even possible. It's just not an outcome anymore. Yeah. I could walk off stage having mimed my entire set and I'll still feel at least 50% good, mm. right? It won't hit zero for me anymore. And that's confidence. That's um, the Kanye line with my ego. I could stand in a speedo and be looked at like a fucking hero. That's whether or not he gets looked at that way. It's that he believes in himself that much. God, I always bring it back to him. So but good. It's so applicable. And, it, you know, again, it's call it ego, call it delusion, but it's what allows me to get up on a stage. We, we were sat there and some guy randomly came up and there was some D&B music playing. And this guy just goes, hey, can anyone rap to this? And I just went, uh, one, two, okay, go. Like, just like that. I've yeah. seen people who are self-professed freestyle kings and gods go, no, nah, not this beat. Not this beat, not this beat. And I'm like, well, then what's the point? What's the point of calling yourself an MC? What's the point of calling yourself a leader of a movement or of whatever if you are going to tell me not this beat, but you're the guy for freestyle? You know what I mean? Like that tells me that you have a bottom shelf and you just deny it. Don't, don't deny it. If you have a bottom shelf, be real about it because then it means you're going to at least try. And then whether you believe that the outcome is predetermined or whether you believe that the outcome is entirely in your hands, once you start trying, you're dictating what it is that's going to happen. So I think that's sort of the big uh, takeaway from today is like life may or may not be in our control. What is in our control is like how we choose to go through it. What, are the, mm. what is the path that we choose? What are the actions that we choose to take? Um, I've definitely learned a lot from this conversation as yeah, a result and, and totally. this exploration. I want to throw to you guys any sort of final thoughts on this today. Final thoughts. Um, look, whatever, however you perceive reality, just make sure that you're having a good time, having a laugh, having a gaggle, you know, and just make sure you're having fun. Like, and that whatever you're doing with yourself, it's actually fulfilling you. Um, however you perceive reality, as long as that's assisting in your happiness, in your emotional management, keep doing you. Uh, watch how you speak to yourself. Watch how your reality is constructed entirely by your, by your own uh, perception and by your own words and the speech. That's all. Yes. That's cool. Well, this is Amitha. This is Rath. I'm MQ. And we're posing the question to you. If you share this podcast with your friends, is it determinism? Did we make you do it? Or oh, are yeah. you in charge? Hey. <laughs> Peace out. See ya. See ya.